what a shame I can't be with you this morning, but I'm really convinced that God's still got a word for us all today. And I'm really encouraged that as we bring it to you, that his spirit will move in our hearts and affect our lives. Um, so without any more ado, let's, uh, let's get started. So we're looking at the last in our series of We Are The Church this morning. And each week we've been encouraged and challenged to see what it means to be church and what the Bible tells us that church is as we follow Jesus. And today we're going to conclude our series by seeing that to be church, we are a people of compassion. Now we're going to base ourselves this morning in one of the most famous passages in the New Testament, um, Jesus' feeding of the 5,000. I'd really encourage you to grab your Bibles or open the app on your phone and have Matthew chapter 14 verses 13 to 21 in front of you because we're going to dip in and out of it a little bit as we go through um, what God has to say to us today. The words will come up on the screen if you haven't got a Bible or your phone, so don't worry about it. Um, but if you do have it, um, hopefully you've about found it now. Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. And I'll read it to us. Now, when Jesus heard this, this is the death of John the Baptist, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and take in the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. Amen. As a church, the Bible calls every one of us to be full of compassion in our hearts and in our actions. And we're called to be like this because Jesus is the man of compassion. He fills us and from the overflow, we are able to show that compassion to others. As we've seen in today's passage, we get to partner with Jesus and it's a great privilege and a great place to be. Now, I love this story and I love picturing this scene. So see if you can do the same too. Try and place yourself in the verses as we read them. See, Jesus goes to the middle of nowhere. No, not Derby, although it might feel like that at times. 
somewhere even more remote. We know he needs to get a boat there. Um, he's tired and he needs a break. He's in a difficult period. John the Baptist has been killed. He, he wants to go somewhere quiet. But people are so attracted by him and to him that they follow him. Now you can imagine him, can't you? He steps off his boat and looks behind him and there's some more boats drawing across the water with people pointing and waving. And he looks across the beach and sees a gathering crowd in front of the cliffs that um, line the Sea of Galilee. And he has compassion on them. Not a weary resignation. Doesn't say in here that he has annoyance or a grumbling sermon about how people should just look after themselves for a little bit. How he needs to have rest. No, Jesus has compassion. The Greek word means that his insides were stirred. I wonder if you can remember the last thing that stirred you inside. Maybe you felt stirred as Harry Kane stood up to take that penalty against Denmark and hit a terrible penalty and then knocked in the rebound. Or maybe your insides were stirred the last time you ordered that curry, which was a little hotter than you expected. No, the love for Jesus, the love that Jesus has for this crowd is literally gut-wrenching and it causes him to act immediately. In many ways, though, his response shouldn't be a surprise to us because throughout the Bible, God has always treated people in this way. And we know that Jesus is God. From the compassion that is had on Adam and Eve, despite the fact that they rejected him, to the compassion he showed the Israelites in the wilderness, even though they grumbled about him and worshipped the golden calf. God stirred with compassion from the emerging nation of Israel through King David when the nation rejected the rule of God. And his compassion comes again and again like waves on the sea through the prophets who follow in the Old Testament. And despite his people failing to have compassion for each other, God is consistently the God of compassion towards us. And in Acts, we're seeing that we are given his spirit and the Holy Spirit releases us today to live a life that shows God compassion in a way that we have always been called to. We are always met with compassion ourselves when we come to Jesus. We are met with a love so strong that it motivates Jesus to act. Whatever it is, that you carry with you today, know this, when Jesus sees you in all of your needs, it stops him, just like when he saw the crowd in this passage, it stopped him then. And Jesus is moved to act. 
If that's all you take away from today, then that is great news, isn't it? That Jesus sees you, Jesus loves you. And this was seen best of all when he took up the cross for you. See, our biggest need, the biggest thing that we carry is to have our sins forgiven. And when Jesus saw you, he was moved to meet that need. And when he died on the cross, he redeemed you, he bought you back and he restored you so that you can have that relationship with God that you were made for. Jesus then keeps meeting us again and again. He covers us with his love and his compassion. And he does this by sending the Holy Spirit who lives in us as a Christians. And he constantly pours the love and compassion of the triune God into our hearts and into our lives. So much so that it overflows. And just like at the end of this story, we have 12 baskets of leftovers. God doesn't leave us needing anything more. In fact, we have so much love and compassion from him that it flows out of our lives. And that is who we are in Christ. That is who we are as people of compassion. Now, if we look at this story, Jesus goes further than we can ever imagine. He changes the present circumstances of the outcasts and the marginalised, those whose entire livelihoods are hanging in the balance. In this story, do you see who those people are? These are the people who are sick. You see, in Jewish law, illness and sickness meant that you as a person were unclean and unclean people were excluded from society. They were disregarded, abandoned and people kept their distance from them. In fact, many were made to live outside of the city walls. But Jesus, being a man of love and moved by compassion for all of them, pours out his love freely and through healing them, he brings hope to the hopeless. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, who began right here in Nottingham, and if you want, you can go and see the museum on the edge of St Anne's, he echoes this when he said, how can you warm the heart of a man with God's love if his feet are perishing with cold? How can you warm the heart of a man with God's love, if his feet are perishing with cold. You see, this is what Jesus is like. He meets us in our needs and he goes further and brings us from the margins into the centre. He's setting a pattern for us, isn't he? He brings in those who are on the margins and he places them in the centre of his love. And we too, as people of compassion, are called to notice the needs of others. We too are called to meet them where they are and to bring them into the centre of our community so that they can be at the centre of God's love. 
The Bible speaks loud and clear here. We are the body of Christ. When the church reaches out to the marginalised, each one of us gets in on that. But just like the disciples and the boy in this story, we all have a different part to play. Each one of us is called to actively be a people of compassion. Can you see it? Can we step for a moment out of this passage and stand in Market Square? Can you put yourself in a disciple's shoes? When you look up, who do you see hopelessly stumbling towards Jesus? Who is in most need? Jesus knows you're tired. He knows you have places to be. He knows how hard you've had to work to be in the position that you're in. Yet he whispers, we are a people of compassion because he is the man of compassion. He sends us in the same way that the disciples were sent to help the hungry crowd in his power. We are enabled and sustained to minister to each other as a people of compassion through the constant work of the Holy Spirit. Don't miss out on the chance to see Jesus at work today because being a people of compassion is not something for some of us to do, it's something for all of us to do. See, in today's society, it's not only the sick who are marginalised, those who struggle with mental health, those who are without a home, those who cannot get a job, those who've been abused, the refugee, the put-upon mother with a household of children that she can barely feed or clothe, the lonely, the scared, the list goes on. These are the people that Jesus has placed on our streets in our community, in our church. And Jesus is asking you today to put them into your heart. Not that we feel sorry for them, but that as a church, we are moved to act with compassion and we meet people where they stand. And this is what we do through Grace Enterprises. This is what we do through the week in things like the food bank, the 12 o'clock service, the mental health support group, the women's group, the men's group, and so many other things that we as a church do to show Jesus' heart for each other and for the marginalised. You see, I started working here at church in January. Originally, my role was to oversee the excellent social justice work that we do as a church and have done for many years and it's benefited so many people. A few months ago I was delivering a food parcel to a lady in House and Green. I knocked on the door and put her shopping bags on the floor and when she opened the door my heart just broke because this lady did need the food but actually, the food wasn't enough. And as I drove away, I felt upset. 
because what this lady really needed, more than the immediate relief that comes from a food parcel, she needed to meet the body of Christ. And that's you and I. She needed to be given that hope that Jesus gives to these people at the side of the Sea of Galilee. Because when that food's gone, her hope was gone. see, Jesus recognises the greater need in the crowd that's gathered around him as the day becomes late. He doesn't miss any, does he? He's seen people's physical need. He's been teaching them. He's been healing them. And he's been bringing them into the centre of his community. But he also sees that they're getting hungry and tired. The disciples recognise this need too, but they feel powerless to do anything about it. They answer to the question that the disciples have is, we're overwhelmed. Send the people away. Let them deal with this problem themselves. Jesus isn't having any of that though, is he? What does he say? He says, no, you feed them. Put yourself back in the scene, on the, on the scene at the side of the Sea of Galilee. What do you think the disciples' faces are like? Could you imagine Peter in all his uh, rumbunctiousness and uh, boisterous bluff? He'll be like, Andrew, you need to sort it. And you've got Judas maybe standing at the back, counting the money, thinking, whoa, this is a lot of money. We can't afford this. Oh, I, I'm not going to say anything. I reckon if you were looking, you would just hear tones of panic, frustration, anxiety and hopelessness and a lot of shoulder shrugging. It can be tempting for us to feel like this, can't it? When Jesus says, I want you to meet the people who have the most needs. I just want to take you forward to Acts chapter 4 verses 34 and 35 and this is a picture of what a community looks like when Jesus moves in it and gives us the power of the Holy Spirit to act in the way that he is leading us. Acts chapter 4 verse 34 says this, there was not a needy person among them, that's the early church, for as many as were owners of lands or houses, sold them and brought the proceeds of what they were sold and laid it at the apostles' feet or gave it to Jesus. And it was distributed to each as any had need. This is who the Holy Spirit makes us as a community. We bring what we have to Jesus and Jesus multiplies it to make something greater than anything we could ever imagine. This is a picture of what it looks like to live as a people of compassion. A couple who blow my mind in this area. They're young at heart, but retired in years. So full of love and compassion, even though it costs them. Peter and Alex Corpus. They could have retired, enjoyed life back in Pete's native Cyprus 
where the sun shines all year. And yet they chose to devote themselves to serving here in Nottingham. They lead the 12 o'clock service. They pour themselves out to make sure that the mental health support group keeps going. They turn up to online meeting after online meeting, seeking to make our prisons a better place, seeking to make the streets a safer place to be. You see, they're seeking a community that looks like Jesus. And they're seeking it here in Nottingham. And they're not, they're not the only one. This is what is amazing about being a church. We've got John and Laura Crosby who give themselves to caring for vulnerable children. Carl Henson who turns up faithfully and runs our food bank, meeting the needs of hundreds of people each month. Jade Armstrong who has such a gifting for noticing the people on the margins and bringing them into the centre. I could go on but I would take the rest of our morning naming people in our community who know what it is to step into the compassion that Jesus is calling us all to embrace. You see, when we meet Jesus, Jesus meets us. In fact, Jesus meets us first. He changes us and what we do flows from our hearts that are overflowing with his love and his compassion. I also just want one more thing from this passage. Is if you notice, being compassionate is a deliberate choice. Jesus chooses to meet the crowd. He chooses to heal them and teach them. He chooses to feed them. He chooses to challenge the disciples to partner with him in helping him. He chooses to organise people into groups. He chooses to take the five loaves and the two fishes and he chooses to supply more than is needed to meet people's needs. I believe that we too are called to choose to be compassionate, to choose to show compassion to each other, with one another and to put other people first. That's the love that Jesus talks about. In fact, the whole of the New Testament and the Bible talks about a love that puts others first. We, and a love that chooses to give what we have to Jesus. When I was asked to apply to work here in church, I was asked to make a choice. Choosing to work at church felt like a risky thing. I questioned if I would be able to do the job, if we could afford for me to leave my previous job, whether the job was actually a bit too big for me. And was I a bit mad to leave jobs in the middle of a global pandemic when everyone was locked down? But you know, a few years earlier, Jesus had spoken to me and asked me if I was willing to follow him. And I said yes. And in the midst of those doubts, I still chose to give those five loaves and two fishes to Jesus. And his call is irresistible. 
there's nothing special about my story. Or Matt, or Sam's, or Pete and Alex, or anyone else other than Jesus is consistently so kind and he so gently meets us in the midst of our doubts, in the midst of our flaws. And he, I can tell you now that he draws alongside us and you can ask any of us, we'll testify his loving arms hold on to us and he equips us to work with him, to partner with him, just like he did those disciples, just like he did that little boy who brought what he had. And the same is true for all of us. Whatever Jesus is asking to, you to bring to him, whatever your context, whatever, wherever it may be, in work, in church, in family and friends, Jesus will show you the same spirit of compassion. And in releasing what you hold on to, you will be filled to an overflowing. If you are asking, what's my place as we come back to church and we move into life together? The answer is this. Your place is to be a person of compassion because we are a people of compassion. And we show that by welcoming people into our church. And out of the overflow of compassion Jesus has for us, we receive more than we need to love and follow him. We reflect who Jesus is in our identity. We're invited to receive from him and we're called to give. We too organise people in a way that helps us show love to the most vulnerable and marginalised in our city and in our community. Our social justice ministries are now named Grace Church Compassion because helping those in need isn't a social project for a few. It's an organised way of showing love through building a Christ-centred community meeting people where they're at and on Thursday we're going to have a meeting from eight till half past nine in which you've got a chance to come and see what goes on and I really would encourage you to not just put that in your diary but to log on and sign up and come along and see what Jesus would do with you whether that be getting involved or supporting or praying we are a community and everyone has a role in play it, to play in serving the most vulnerable in our city. Come along this Thursday. Find out what Jesus is doing every day of the week. I can promise you Jesus never fails to turn up. And let's celebrate as a community. Celebrate lives changed through um, the work that we are called to do through the little that we give and see multiplied so abundantly by our loving and gracious Saviour. I quoted from William Booth earlier, and I want to end with this, a quote from his wife, Catherine. This is what she said. To better the future, we must first disturb the present. To better the future, we must first disturb the present. Jesus 
is at work disturbing our lives as he makes us a people of compassion. What needs to be disturbed in your present to affect how Jesus can work with you in the future? So what does this mean for us then as we finish? Firstly, Jesus would have you come to him and receive from him. He has compassion for you and he gave all of himself when he died on the cross so that you can have a relationship with your heavenly father. And secondly, we are called as his church to live as people of compassion. It's who we are. We trust him when life seems scary. We give what we have to him and we actively choose to follow him. Amen.